0: Welcome to The Awakened Collective, where we explore the topics of love, spiritual consciousness, and our divine purpose on this planet. Join us as we uncover the truth that our thoughts shape our reality. Welcome to the Awaken Collective. So good to have you here. I'm Rick Gregory. Um, Really appreciate you joining us this morning. And I always need to remind you that you have never been separated from your Creator. How could you be? You are the divine extension of your Creator's love on this planet. So glad to be with you here today, and I'm especially grateful for my guest, my dear friend Ron Permenter. And Ron and I, I, we met probably, I'm guessing... It's probably been about four years ago now or so. I'm coming up on my five years mark for sobriety. So I think it was probably four and a half years or so. Um, Ron, however, has decades of experience, strength, and hope. And I have, um, I just love this guy. Sweetest, kindest man you'd ever want to meet. And I've had the opportunity of hearing bits and pieces of his story um, he shared not that long ago, but he was only given a 15-minute time limit. And I, Ron, I have to tell you that I've come across people that have, when I've told them that I heard you know, your story at this group, they saying, did he share this part of his story? And I'm like, I don't remember that. And that's and happened more than one time. Someone else has said, did he share such and such? I'm like, I don't remember that. I'm like, he's, so he's got more of a story to share. And um, I just know that I look at someone and hear what I've heard and see a life that is completely transformed. And it's a story that I don't think I've heard one like it in the five, almost five years that I've been here. Um, it's amazing. And it it reminds us all that there is hope. And I'm so glad to have you here today, Ron. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Take a breath, relax, and tell us about Ron.
1: Thank you, Rick. And uh, thank you both for having me here this morning. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh It's a blessing to be able to say that I've I've lived a life of recovery to where I can't possibly squeeze it in any time (laughs) frames. It doesn't (laughs) matter if it's fifteen minutes, you know, it would um an hour or it um it would just be impossible to squeeze all the blessings that um I have had as a result of sobriety. And um I usually often will say I didn't start living until sometimes I feel like I took my first breath on January the 4th, 1994, which is my sobriety birthday. And, um, you know, this past January 4th, uh, I picked up a 30-year sobriety chip, and um, it was, uh, I haven't really kind of stopped reflecting since that time. and um, But I used to feel that all the world had, some kind of secret recipe that I did not know anything about. I can remember watching people walk out to check their mail, carry, hold their kids' hands, crossing the street, going in and out of church, and I would scoff and laugh at these normal, mm. ordinary people um, while I was out drinking and um, doing all kinds of things that I would been better off not doing. But inside, I would have done anything, to have been one of those people, and just been normal, and to do normal things. And yeah, I just felt like people knew something I didn't know. And uh, later, who who would have known that it was by surrendering that it would all be, begin for you know for me? And um, I used to have such resentment that friends of mine seem to be able to drink and socialize and all normally and successfully and without getting into trouble and without having difficulties. And that was not my case <laughs> <laughs> at all. But, um, I guess I'll go back to, I was born into a family of, uh, alcoholism and codependency. Basically. Um, there was a lot of, uh, crazy things, that went on. Now everything was not crazy. There was great times as well, but um, but there was definitely a lot of crazy. Um, there was a lot of religious, religiosity, hyper religiosity, um, as well as alcoholism, and um, it just uh, and as what, and codependency as well. Um, but uh, I don't. That's about the easiest way to describe it because I don't want to get too hung up, you know, in the, into the problem only. But um, I'll just say that there was a lot of things in my childhood that happened that should not have happened. Mm-hmm. And I wish it would not have happened. And, um, but I've also been able to heal from a lot of that as well. Um, some of it even as recently as the past few years. Yeah. and um. but I guess I could say I started drinking sometimes the best I can recall around the age of 13 or so I can remember being very shy and um, not feeling part of not belonging um, feeling different and um, just never quite fitting in and then sometime around the age of 13 or 14, I was out with a with a lot of older kids, I'll say sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and I was probably more like around the eighth grade, mm. <laughs> moving toward ninth. And uh, I discovered alcohol. And all of a sudden, I felt part of. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, uh, as we say jokingly sometimes, I had arrived, I <laughs> felt, you know, I could dance, I could laugh, I could joke. Um, I just literally remember feeling like I fit in, finally. And um, that's that was kind of the kickoff point for me. And I guess around, probably honest being honest, if I'm around the age of 17 or so, I started seeing problems. Um, I started having blackouts. I can remember going out on dates, not remembering how ever getting home or going to a party and not remember coming home at all. And, um, I, uh, thought there was lots of parts of my teenage years and high school years that were fun, a lot of fun. And, um with some popularity and there was big chunks of it that wasn't fun. Um, I think I was discovering that I was gay around that time and <clears throat> also trying to hide it, trying to fit in the, the normal world. And it's the only way I know to put it was I was kind of dating and looking normal by day and um, living a different life at night. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, I would, uh, in the daytime, try to look like all my other friends and, you know, have a girlfriend and play the part. But then at night, you know, sneaking away and, you know, meeting, you know, meeting other people and um, doing other things. It was almost like living a double life, even as, even at that young of an age and um, which continued, you know, years later into adulthood. And, um, but when I graduated, I was pretty clueless. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. No one had really told me what to do. I didn't know what the plan was supposed to be, like what happened after that. I had just been corralled into years of partying and drinking and, you know, being a high schooler. And so I can remember all of a sudden at graduation going, what am I supposed to do now? You know, what Now what? And, um, I really just did not have a clue in any direction and guidance as to what that was supposed to look like after that. Um, The one companion I did continue to have was uh, alcohol. And um, I started college that first semester and didn't know what I wanted to do. So I followed my friends. I was very fortunate. I did have a core group. I had... um, two guy best friends we were kind of three musketeers we were always there for one another and um i just kind of followed my friends i was just, just like i'll do whatever you do and so that's I started junior college and i just kind of took classes that they that they took and the drinking had really accelerated by this point and fast forwarding a little bit um before my first semester of my first year in college i had to drop out because i was blacking out so much i couldn't show up for class i just had the huge blocks of space and time that was nothing but a blackout mm-hmm. and so i couldn't i couldn't keep up with class couldn't keep up with grades and then uh, so i had to drop out and um, everything just continued to accelerate i kept finding employment that allowed for more drinking and then Other substances came into play during that time, and I went. um, And people always laugh. So, but at some point, I had, I was doing some oil field exploration work, and um, you know, which allowed me to be away from home in places around New Orleans and Mm -hmm. way away. I was able to escape home, escape all that, and um, and drink as much as I wanted. I can remember being so excited because Louisiana. The, the beer had higher alcohol content in it. And um, I li- remember just just feeling just so excited about that. And, um, but, so I was actually a licensed um, explosive handler for Mississippi, yeah. <laughs> Louisiana, <laughs> uh, Texas, and Alabama. So as my drinking and I was accelerating, I'm handling things like dynamite. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> so, uh. That just, so for the next I guess of maybe 10 or so years, I pretty much just just, just found any part of life that uh, allowed me to drink more and um, continue to get in, to get more lost day after day. Um, I had all kinds of legal consequences, um, troubled relationships broken relationships, just, uh, very, very, very lost. And, um, the, the other thing during those years was I was alienating myself also more and more from anyone that did care about me or love me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and because I, was very blessed and fortunate. I think God puts people—you can call them guardian angels, you know, or whatever fits. But for me, it was my grandparents, um, my, both my paternal and maternal. They were very safe people for me. I had cousins that was very safe and close to me. That I'm still close to today, They're more like best friends. You know, we went—we were together from the time we were in diapers to this day, and also played a role even in my recovery and continues to play a role. Um, but, uh, I, kind of hit a bottom. Well, didn't kind of, I hit a bottom. And, um, that was around Christmas of, uh, 1993. It was very miserable, and very unhappy. So was that New Year's? Because I had reached a point where, I couldn't not drink, and drinking didn't work. I, uh, it just, those days where it offered conviviality and freedom and feeling part of and belonging were over, it was a trap. And um, so uh, to, to not drink, I felt horrible, but to drink felt horrible. And yeah. um, so I was offered opportunity to um, go to treatment and get help and for the first honest thing come out of my mouth in a long time, was somebody sitting across from me, going, "Do you think you have a problem with alcohol?" And me looking at him and saying, "Well, I don't know, mm. maybe," because you had to remember, alcoholism wasn't normal for me. I didn't yep. see it as abnormal. But um. But yeah, life, life, life started moving at that point remember it like yesterday and uh when I told this person I don't know they said well you know that's okay Said, how about you go to these things there's these things called meetings and I'd like you to you know go to two or three and then let's talk again and um so that's that's what I did um I went with a friend on a, a Saturday night to a place locally around Jackson that we call Yana. And um, I went to a first meeting there and a uh, second meeting at my hometown in forest. And, uh, and and I didn't know, I didn't have a clue what, what was going on, but I knew there was something. And I think it was that little spark of hope that had began. And um, I, I latched on. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't know what was out there for me, but I knew there had to be something better than what I had and the mess I had made of it. And, uh, even today when I'm confused and I don't know what's going on, I go back to knowing what I don't want yeah. and I don't want what life had become at that point. And, um, so, uh, for me, recovery began on the Mississippi Gulf coast and, uh, I treatment, went to secondary, and um, I jumped into recovery. I was very blessed and fortunate because I was on the Gulf Coast that I was introduced to um, AA, I was introduced to um, Al-Anon, I was introduced to ACA, I was introduced to NA. I had early exposure to all these different programs. I was introduced to um, Lambda meetings, which was, you know, which were AA meetings with they're available for LGBTQ plus members and, and anyone. But I just, uh I mean, God really stepped into my life, you know, for me. Because um, all during this time, the last thing I wanted to look at was my sexuality. You know, oh, yeah. That was a big part of mm-hmm. you know, the drinking was trying to suppress that, you know, but, which is like suppressing the very air in me because it was always such a huge part of who I am and who I always have been. And um, quite frankly, I think probably the most you know, beautiful parts of me going back as yeah. far back as childhood, and um, those safe people I mentioned at the beginning—those grandparents, those special cousins, those special people—they were the people that seen that all along yep. and loved that part. Mm-hmm. They seen the true. They seen the true Ron. They seen the true me, and loved him. Yep. I just couldn't love him. I couldn't even see him, you know, because society. Mm-hmm. And um, you know parents and the authority figures in my life had said that that part wasn't good. It wasn't acceptable. it wasn't wanted, it wasn't needed, it wasn't appreciated, it wasn't worthy. And at some point I you know, I'm going to church, I'm going to school, I'm going to social events, I'm going to all these places that said that wasn't right, and it wasn't that wasn't the yeah. person to be especially in this part of the country, you know, and it's
0: different in different areas. I know in Massachusetts where I'm from, it seemed to be a lot more openness to being yourself. Um, But in this part of the country, it's still a struggle for a lot of people to be honest with themselves because of that fear.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, and for me, like um, all parts of my recovery, that part needs to be spoken as well. Mm -hmm. Because if it helps one person, younger person, one kid, one anyone, then it's, it's, it should be spoken and it should be shared. And, um, I feel like I owe that. And not only that I owe that, but I I want to do that. And, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's important. And, um, so God showing up my in AA, we have this thing called sponsors, and um, pretty much, so I, I'm not drinking, but I'm terrified at this point. I, you know, I don't have a clue. I haven't drunk, I haven't had a sober breath, and since about the age of 13, and now here I am. You know, at the time, I thought I was 28, but I actually found out I was 27. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that can work. I found out I was a year younger, yeah, and um, which goes to kind of show where I was at in life. What? You know, there was no birthday celebrations or all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, um, the first person that approached me offered to be offered to be my sponsor. I didn't ask them. They just said, do you have one? I said, no. They said, well, you got one now. And um, he turned out to be um, a gay man with uh, 30 years of sobriety. And he uh, became my first sponsor and introduced me to what he called my co-sponsor at the time. So when you can't reach me, you call this guy. And um, me and that guy are still, we were on the, we were on the phone speaking yesterday, if that tells you anything. Mm-hmm. Nice. And um, he celebrated uh, about thirty-three years of sobriety this time. And um, yeah, light, 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 took off because not only here was this person that opened me up to being—it was like a father figure—but they also just so happened that they were gay themselves, mm-hmm. and um, it started showing me by example what a sober man that looks like, that can live a sober life um, and a full life, and not only as a sober person, but as a, as a gay man yeah. and uh, a spiritual man. And to this day, I share things in meetings that Bob shared with me back in 1994, 95. And I feel, I feel his presence in, with me every day. Um, I think that's a beautiful part of recovery is that legacy that continues to go on from one person to another of healing and um, recovering and discovering and uh, uncovering. And um, I know I probably need to kind of push forward, but I did want to point out that, so my life started and then um, I learned... In the program, someone had told me because I, here I was, I felt like I had just missed all these years, you know, I, of college and um, friendships and relationships and you know, just all the all these things I had missed. And uh, this little lady had told me, she said, "Ron, you haven't missed anything." She said, "You know, through recovery, she said, you will you'll be able to recapture." Anything and everything that you think you missed and beyond that, she said, including relationships, and she said you can have it all. She said it happened to us; it can happen to you. Yeah. And um, and that has been that has been my story. You know, I uh, I jumped into recovery full force, and uh, I walked in. I I, I knew one. I was coming home from work one day because i you know i no longer i could not drive because i had lost my driver's license um, along the way due to drinking and um, my sponsor wouldn't you know, he told me that if i didn't have a license that i couldn't drive he said you're gonna have to you know ask ask for rise to meetings you're going to work on that every day to get to arrange that and um you know get to work so it took about 18 18 months before i driver's license and i live i rode my bicycle mm. to get them in the, in the mississippi heat mm. and but i dressed the part i was the first tie ever put on uh, in, in sobriety was to go get my driver's license <laughs> and i had and i had that license today and i still can really look at it yep that's cool because i'm sure that was a glorious day yeah he said he said ron it's a he said it's a privilege to drive in the fine state of mississippi is not a right mm. he said but what, what was really going on behind that was I built these relationships having to reach out and ask for transportation to meetings and to, uh, to even to go to the movies or to get to work. I had to reach out and ask for help. I would have never done that if it wasn't an absolute have to. And mm-hmm. some of those relationships are just like the one I spoke of earlier. They're the ones I have today in sobriety. I still have those friendships. And I can still go down... I went to the back down to the coast about a year and a half ago. When I walked into my home group, where I went to five fifteen meetings at Long Beach, and you know, for about three years, three years of my recovery, I spent down there. And these and these guys knew me, even though they hadn't seen me in twenty something years, they recognized me. Wow! And uh, I thought, wow, that's that's because of recovery, Mm -hmm. because if I had not been in recovery. First of all, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be alive. And, um, so after about three years, I was able to go back to my hometown and could, But like I could, I had learned through, um, Al-Anon and ACA and AA. I had learned enough about recovery, how to, how to function more healthily in family, in my family. I had learned about family dysfunction and, um, you know, how, Alcoholism is a family disease and, uh, what that looked like. And um, I had learned, I had gotten tools to function in a healthier way. And, uh, I went back to school and, um, one day I was sitting in class and I looked up and looked out the window to my left and had this strange deja vu type Mm -hmm. feeling. And, um, and then as I sat, it, came to me i remembered that was also the last class i had sat in all those years ago when i had dropped out it was the same school same classroom oh my goodness same instructor i'd (laughs) recognized her and i remembered and i thought wow so here i was sitting as a you know as as a sober person and did she remember you I don't think so. I didn't, I was really, I don't know that I really shared that with anyone. Maybe my sponsor at the time, but but no one around me there at at school. But, um, but I can definitely say it was a totally different turnout. It started, you know, it, it started a career for me in nursing because I did not know, I didn't know if I could go to school. I, my, what I actually said was, I don't know if there's a brain cell left up there. And I said, and my sponsor said, well, you can try you take one test at a time, one class at a time, and let's just see what, what happens. And um, I said, well, I don't even know what I want to do. He said, he said, well, let's just play a game. He said, um, he said, let's just say we all lived in a village together. There's no paychecks. There's no money. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing like that. We just, we just all have a job that serves one another to help the village survive. Everybody just has their own part. He says, what do you think you would do? And I thought and thought we were driving down, um, highway 90 at the coast. We had been to a meeting, I believe that over in, uh, um, diamond head or somewhere like that. And, um, was driving back and I said, well, I think I would be a nurse. I said, cause I love to help people. I said in tribes, I said, I love, I enjoy the healers and the shamans and the people that actually have some form of healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, so I don't know. I said, maybe in our culture, that would be a nurse or something. And he said, well, there you go. You take one class, you take one test and see if that's where God wants you to right. be. And, um, so yeah, I, uh, so sometime around 1996 or so, as I'm sitting in that classroom starting my journey and, uh, into nursing at that point. And, you know, not only did I find I could make decent grades, I found out that I could still ask for help. I th- and there were some cl- things that were was a struggle. I had some learning disabilities around uh, math and things like that. And uh, while the rest of my class was sometimes out for the holidays and out for Christmas, I spent doing drills, math drills, on Saturdays at school. You know, But I also had a teacher that was willing to meet me up there and do these kind of things. And uh, But as a result... And, um, you know, I also graduated from my nursing classes, you know, that year's student of the year. You know, wow. And, uh, Good for you. I, yeah, got to represent our school at on, you know, national, national level um, organization and um, got a free trip to L.A. <laughs> out of it. Nice. But it's just, and that's just a, a tiny part of how God can show up and what can happen in recovery, just like the lady in the meeting told me that day so that was a and that was a beautiful thing so just keep and I've continued to continue to be in nursing and continue to go to school even up to as much as 2 years ago I was still I was still going to school I know you were <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you were managing all that <laughs> yeah. one class at a time one step at a time yeah. you know one one thing at a time and
0: uh, when you mention you know we say that we attribute it to recovery for those who may not understand what that is it's explain that it's not just
1: putting the bottle down? No. It's, it's, it's definitely not just that. That's, the, that's only one part of it. Um, recovery for me involved something called the 12 steps. It involved uh, recognizing one of the, the best things in the world that ever happened to me was, was recognizing alcoholism as a disease, and it's a family disease, and it's a disease that affects our, our thinking and uh, can create a mental obsession about alcohol, and then once we ingest it, it can kick off a physical craving. You call this also we call an allergy mm-hmm. for more, and this also includes something called a spiritual malady. And uh, I qualified for all these things. Yeah. And uh, me too. It, uh, and the twelve steps to also introduce me to a, a God of understanding, not the one that I was raised believing that hated me, you know for who I was and how I was, mm-hmm. and because well meaning people in, in the church, my aunt, God bless her, that's she, she knew there was some craziness in our home with the alcoholism, and so she tried to help. She tried to, she took us to church, and it was just a local, little small Baptist church there in the uh, rural town that I lived in. And, um, but my takeaway from that was not only was the things going on in my home sin and wrong, but the very nature of my being. Know, to right. be, you know, to be um, gay and um, you, and things like drinking and, you know, the insanity that goes along. With, I, I was hearing in church, all these were sins and they were bad. And the ultimate sin was to be gay. And um, so I just pretty much didn't stand a chance. Yeah.
0: I shared yesterday at our meeting that we were at, you know, the, the biggest obstacle to finding God is the concept. God because of what the way that we have you know and as kids we we want to know I did you know I wanted to understand you know you hear that God is love so tell me more you know I want to know about it and then you know well-meaning people like you said well educated people um you think that they know better than you because they've been around a lot longer and should have figured this out and so you listen and you adopt you try to adopt what their truths are, even though they are opposed to what's inside us. Um, but we think, well, they must know better than I do, so this must be the way I must, I guess I'm supposed to just hate myself, you know? And you live your life like that and, and, and until one day, that day, that by God's grace, the God I know today yes. wakes us up.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, that, we call it, you know, a God as I understand God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that changes on a daily basis for me the thing about the 12 steps is it introduced me to that to the concept that you know i could start with just a god as i understand him today and for me i didn't i didn't even start with that i started with you know i don't know what's out there i don't know if there is a god or you know but or a higher power but when i seen these people sitting around me in meetings like the little lady they told me i could have i could recover everything in life i seen something going on with that they all believed in, there was something happening in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they said, Hey, you can borrow ours. You don't even have to have it figured out today. And I said, okay, I can, I'll do that. I will borrow yours and whatever that power is. I'll start with that. Yeah. You know,
0: and, and, and all the years of, of religious training that I had, you know, and I shared this too, was that we learned that we can develop our own concept of God. And I've told folks to make that list what would your God look like? The God that you could do business with? You know, would this God be kind? Yes. Would he be loving? Would they would he be he or she or it be, you know, unconditionally loving and forgiving and non-judgmental? And, you know, everyone's, you know, people are right making their lists. And I and and I used to think that, that something like that was, was heresy or blasphemy um, because it wasn't what I was told. And I'm going against the grain. And yet that's what's inside me. And and I share there, know, if we, we were to all make that list of what are the characteristics of a God that we could do business with, what that would look like, and we were had the opportunity to share our lists and compare our notes, I, I think we would find a lot of similarities because Absolutely. we are connected at the source.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What are the first things in the first couple of years of my sobriety that my sponsor had me do was he talked to me about something called content prior to investigation. Mm. And he said, so when I would make a smart aleck remark about, well, the Catholic church, blah, blah, (laughs) blah. He said, so how many Catholic services have you attended? I said, none. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, why don't you attend one? And he called it spiritual exploration. And he said, you know, if you don't know about something, he said, why not investigate it and explore it and see what's there? Yes. Because if you don't and you just shut your mind off to it, that's content prior to investigation and you may lose a lot. And for me, that what that looked like was, I, you know, I walked because of no license. I walked to Catholic churches, Episcopal churches, Baptist churches, Methodist churches. Um, I attended some, um, like Hindu ceremonies, some, uh, Zen practices, Meditation practices, I attended um, a couple of powwows, Native American powwows around the Gulf Coast area. Um, I danced, you know, a couple of prayer circles in them. I have a heavy relationship to Native American spirituality. Mm -hmm. And um, I just started exploring all these things. I started getting books that were um, on different types of spiritual practices. And it opened up a whole new world for me. And what I discovered was, just like you just said, that when you know we're on a path of um, growth and really love, and we're seeking that same thing, that love and acceptance, it really is all so much alike. Mm-hmm. You know it's like God being the smart God he or she is that said, I've got all these different characters out here running around. No minds; their minds are so different, and you know, operate from such different ways. I have to come up with all these different avenues to get them focused on the core, the same core, the core being love, and just all these different pathways and roadways to get them there, because they can't all follow the same one. Mm -hmm. But I've got to get them to the same place. So we created all these different practices and religions and, and avenues and ways, and including. Lack of religion, including you know, lack of spirituality. I mean, doesn't you know? I had a a, a sponsor that you know contacted me one day and said, "Well, you won't work with me because you know I know I know you want because you know I, I I'm a practitioner of witchcraft." I said so. I said, and I and I and I live really far away, and I can't drive, and I can't get in. Meetings and I can't meet. And I said, "Do you have any kind of internet service where you are?" He said, "Well, yeah." I said, "Can you email?" Well, of course. I said, "Okay, and we can still work the twelve steps if you want to. It doesn't matter to me what your practices are." Right. And we did. know, yeah. and uh, he, he, I guess he thought he would scare me off with it, but I was thinking,
0: "Oh no, <laughs> you, know, you don't have any idea what my sponsor put me through." And
1: uh, and, and we worked the twelve steps by email. Wow, and um. You know, unfortunately, you know, his, his story is, you know, not at the, on the best path at the moment. And, uh, but still it was, uh, you know, he, he, I I seen this person recently and he came up to me and it was, uh, and it's been some years now since we did that. And the beautiful part to me is not so much that they're still struggling and they're out there right now, but it was just the fact that he's, that he approached me Mm -hmm. and, uh, we're still connected.
0: And it was another experience for him. Isn't yes. that what it's all about? Is we're building experience. Like you said, there's all kinds of religions out there to meet yes. the needs of people that, you know, we don't, know. people are all in different places. And I think there's truth to be found in all of them. But I used to go looking for the differences. Absolutely. You know, and it's when we look for the similarities. And I had to chuckle inside when you talked about, um, I, I, I thought about my, my brother because he, we, I was raised Catholic. And uh, my brother was the first in the family to have a spiritual experience and left the Catholic Church for the Baptist Church and told us all we were going to hell. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that contempt prior to investigation kind of thing. But yes, um, so, so true. I wanted to share one other thing, too, that came to mind that. Uh, you know, I do a lot of reading these days, and, and my one of my favorites is Dr. Hawkins, and I listened to a tape of his the other day. A tape? No, you don't listen to those anymore, but you know what I'm talking um, It was a, an audio book, and I had to pause it. I took a picture of where this, because it's a four-hour audiobook, took a picture of where I was on the the four hours so that I could go back to it. And I brought Glenn in the car. I'm like, you gotta listen to this. I want your take on it. So I'd like yours as well. So he he was saying that um, and he's a scientist, doctor, psychiatrist, um, had a spiritual experience and is now well, he's gone now, but was a spiritual teacher and has lots of books out there. But someone had asked him at a Satsang, where they just talk about, you know, spiritual things and ask questions and someone asked about addiction. And they got into this conversation about, um, he was stating, and I believe for me it it rang true, um, you know, we think that the, the drugs or alcohol that are out there, when we take them and we feel this euphoric state, we have all this confidence and we, you know, we can do the things like dancing. We feel comfortable on our own skin and how wonderful that feels and, you know, how it is a trap, but... What we're feeling and experiencing is not a result of the alcohol. This is his saying, the alcohol and the drugs. What those alcohol and drugs are doing are softening the frequencies of the negativity in us so that we can experience what has really been in us all along. We think it's coming from the drugs, Um, But it's really something that has been resident in us that has just been clouded and covered over. And by us trying to take, we take these things that are muting the negative feelings. We're finally able to feel those other things. Um, But but that is a trap. And there is a way that you can live in that place. And it's through these, at least for me, it has been through working these steps, taking a look at myself looking at my resentments, all the crap that I had been holding on to for so long against so many people, um, and, and recognizing the part that I played in a lot of that, people that I had harmed, and, um, and going to them and making amends. And it's a daily journey. You know, I still remember things. You know, things come up. Someone said something to me the other day. I'm like, oh, man, that was years ago. I need to talk to that person. That Memories come up. We're works in progress for sure.
1: Yes, absolutely, and part of the twelve steps, like you mentioned, is making those amends, and you know, or sitting down and looking at, looking at resentments, looking at fears, looking at our, you know, um, our sex life, and um, not not only looking at where we went wrong and trying to make amends for it, but also my sponsor had me look at these things like my family relationships, um, future significant other relationships. Well, what, what did I want them to be? He said what do you envision a healthy relationship? What do you envision you know, um, your relationship with your family looking like? And he had me write out my ideals, such as, um, you know, after we discussed, you know, the, what we call our sexual inventory, he had me write down, well, what does a healthy sexual ideal look like? What do you want that in a partnership to be? What is it? He said, it doesn't, he said, whatever you think, whatever your desire, what, you know, just it, it's okay just write it down and so i wrote all these things out and um quite honestly didn't even recognize till years later how they had come to be mm. you know how i wanted to be a person that showed up for my family that showed up to birthday parties that showed up to christmases and showed up to um, funerals it just showed up all those things i did not do when i was drinking and and so part of my men's process and fast forwarding through the 12 steps as a result, you know, as a, I can pull up on my phone right now and show you how um, I have three birthday invitations to these younger cousins. One celebrating one year, one's like an eight year. And these are now like three generations later. And these, mm. are, these are the children of those same cousins that I talked about at the beginning when mm-hmm. I said that were there for me. Since the beginning, since childhood, that are more like best friends. These are the third generations of those people. Wow! And um, my partner, uh, Donnie, and I—we're that we're the couple that shows up. We're the couple that gets these invites to all these children's birthday parties and uh, adults' birthday parties in the family because we're we can be counted on Mm -hmm. to show up there. And uh, and to me, there is no better belonging, or if there's a any evidence of people that accept you and love you and want you to be there is things like that. Yeah. If you're getting invitations saying, please be here, then something, there's something's going wrong. Right. Yeah. And, Absolutely. um, it's, and that's just one you know, small example of that. Uh, I had no idea. I mean, I, at one point I had, I had I went through the steps a couple of times. My family life was much better. I had went to school, now had full-time employment. I now had a driver's license. I had bought my first vehicle Mm. on my own Um, due to making amends. I had uh, showed up. My my father died of alcoholism and um, was healthy in every other sense of the way. He died at the age of 52, and um, it was – alcoholism is a horrific – ending for our life and um but I made amends he was number one on my resentment list at the time and moving forward through that at the end when he left this world due to making amends in this program I was the person he was able to reach out to and was there for him and uh I also lost a brother to this disease and I was able to show up for him as well. And um, it was, those are both testaments to what the results of a recovery can be yeah. as well. And um, it just, um, I, I don't know how to put into words what those experiences were like for me, except for I treasure them, yeah. so grateful to be that person that was able to show up, like I mentioned earlier, that that shows up in the family and can, um, I was just very grateful to be able to do that. And um, also, uh, so I was moving forward in life and everything was really had fallen into place. I had a great sponsor, I had great friends, I had, you know, I had finally come out and um, I had found some LGBT recovery people And, um, I had migrated more toward, you know, from my hometown toward Jackson and, um, make connections in in recovery and so many things going on in life, but I was still alone. And, um, I said, well, you know, let's, uh, my God, if you're ever, if you think I'm ready and ever, you know, and, and I know it's going to be in your time, but, uh, not asking for a relationship, but if but but if there's one for me, I'm open to it as well. And uh just um so I'm I met my I met my partner and uh we as as of October twenty fourth of this year, we will have uh we will celebrate uh, twenty five years together. Wow. And um mm. we met and um interestingly enough we were just we were having a discussion last night about how uh we, we just we were going to some open meetings uh, here in the Jackson area, and I recognized uh, yesterday as I was sitting in one that you and I were in together. I was kind of looking around the room, and I thought, "Wow, we you know we were both we were both sitting in here in a meeting on sat- Saturday nights, you know, like 1999." <laughs> you know, just uh, and and the memories we have, and we were talking you know, some of those same people. You know, from, Mm -hmm. from those days, you know, we're in our lives today. And, um, but just, uh, you know, what, what a, what a blessing that has been. And I can remember the day when I recognized that as Donnie and I were sitting together, it came to me that what my first sponsor, Bob had had me write out is in those ideals is, you know, for family and relationships and all, and, uh, sometime during that time in 1994, had come to be. What I had written out on that piece of paper had transformed into my relationship with him. And I was just, the amount of thankfulness and gratitude, I mean, my heart would just, could have exploded. Mm. I thought, wow, what he had me write then, it's just amazing how it can come to be. Mm but that is exactly the transformative power that can come from 12 steps.
0: And there are 12 steps out there for just about anything. Anything. You know, I was, I was, I think someone's already got this one out there too, but you know, obsessive thinkingness was another one. (laughs) I was like, we need a 12 step because the steps, they're life changing. Um, You know, and, and no matter what people are struggling with, there is a group out there and we need community. One of the things we talk about a lot is not regret in the past or wishing to shut the door on it. So my question is um looking at your life from you know when that turning point happened and where your life is today I know my answer to this question but your answer to would you have changed anything that led up to that point? All the darkness, all the horrendous experiences that brought you to that point? No. you know i think that that's what makes us who we are and like you said you looked you looked at that letter that you that list that you had written you know it's like we look back and it's like where has the time gone it's just one day at a time and before you know it decades are of wonderment yes you've experienced
1: yes absolutely and i love the fact that you just said about the multiple the 12 steps that are available in thousands of programs and ways and healing and for, for so many. And that has been, uh, that has been my case of, you know, the, the other programs that are available because I needed, I needed other healing besides from my alcoholism. I needed healing from the alcoholic family situation. And there was steps for that. I needed healing as a person who had grown up from birth as an adult child of, um, raging alcoholics and, there's, there was healing for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed help in being able to know that I don't really know how to function in a healthy relationship. You know, I need I don't I don't I, don't, I need help learning how to communicate. I need help in um, what that looks like. What is a healthy relationship? What does it consist of? What are the roles? What is my part? What is not my part? And there was twelve steps for that. Mm-hmm. And it's just the healing and recovery. I think I had mentioned earlier, a friend of mine pointed out, they said, you know, first we have to have, you know, we have to uncover and in order, in order to discover, in order to recover. I love that. And um, that has been my case. No matter what shape, form, or fashion, time, or place we do, we go through processes of uh, spiritual healing like the 12 steps at the end of everyone is a spiritual experience and um and that's a powerful special experience every time and um i think um one example of that if i had to i was thinking after praying and meditating this morning and um about what what does that look like now what what does it look what does recovery for Ron look like right now this morning after I mean, looking out over 30 years <laughs> and um, and really uh, really it's more than 30 years because just like you pointed out, would I have changed anything in life and the answer being no because it's really looking out over 57 years mm-hmm. plus and yeah. counting and um, uh, we have this thing a lot of us look at every day called the daily ponderables. And um, I thought that was a perfect example for me, is uh, because it has taken all of it, and it's taken the, the gifts of all these different opportunities and programs and um, out there, um, including um, I found a I found a wonderful church, you know that um, I finally felt at home in, and, and um, you know so. That was was huge uh, to to felt ostracized and um, shunned, you know, from organized religion to the point of being able to, you know, feel loved and embraced, yeah. and you know, and for me that was through uh, a church locally known as Wells, and um, but I did have a a couple little things I wanted to share that I thought culminated to me what what recovery is today. And um, so and this, some of these came from the Daily Ponderables this morning, but there was a quote that said, you know, for us, recovery is more than just pleasure. And this is from NA's basic text. And it said, just for today, I will accept my feelings, whatever they may be, just as they are. I will practice the program and learn to live with my feelings. And then from al it said, when faced with difficult or painful situations, I can remember that a loving God is always here for me. Always available as a source of comfort, guidance, and peace. No one is alone if they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves. And from ACA, it said by attending meetings and working the steps, reaching out to others, finding a higher power, we can recapture our true selves—the person we were born to be. And from um, the Code is Twelve Steps, this came. This was. This is a process of growth and change that takes us along an ever-changing road. Sometimes the way is hard and craggy. Sometimes we climb mountains. Sometimes we slide down the other side on a toboggan. Sometimes we rest. Sometimes we grope through the darkness. Sometimes we're blinded by sunlight. Ever-changing, always interesting, always leading someplace better, someplace good. What a journey. And then I mentioned earlier that not only is my Christian faith very important to me today, I still um, continue to, find solace and great relief in uh, Native American spirituality that has been here for so long. And this reading said, there is no death, only a change of worlds. The elders tell us that the other dimension, the spirit world, our spirit in our bodies does not die. It only looks that way to our eyes and our brains. Some of our ceremonies allow us to see into the spirit world. Death is only part of the process of life. It shows the transition into the spirit world. Our elders tell us this is a joyful life journey. My creator, help me to understand both the seen world and the unseen world. Mm. Let me not be afraid of the world you live in. love that.
0: We say that a lot on this podcast, that we are not of this world. You know, and we are eternal, no beginning and no end. Um, and We've never been separated from our creator. And how many times people tried to tell me that it's not true for me today. Nora. If you had a message in closing that you could share with anyone who may be out there struggling and they're listening in and, um, things are striking a chord with them and they are wondering if this is for them, just maybe a little message of hope.
1: I would say reach out no matter how small, if it's a, If it's a phone number, if it's a phone call, if it's a text message, if there's a, you know, make some connection, no matter how small, because we are all connected and it all matters. We all matter. Mm -hmm. It all matters. And there, there is help and there are people out here that want to help and, uh, because we all do matter and connection matters so much that any of these, whether it's alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, um, the effects of dysfunction and alcoholism, gambling, sex addiction, fill in the blank with anything that you want to. The one thing it all has in common is isolation. And it's the worst enemy. If any disorder, disease, dysfunction can use anything it's isolation if it cannot convince us that we're not enough that we're not worthy that we are alone that we don't matter and that we are that we're unsafe and alone then it has us but it's not true it's a lie Mm -hmm. is it is a lie so just just reach out just reach out
0: thank you for that ron and speaking of reaching out i'm going to ask danny if he'll put up my contact our contact information so there's plenty of ways you can reach out, especially if you're struggling. Please reach out, and I can ex- share my experience, strength, and hope. But I have friends with trusted connections all over the country, and recovery, and all kinds of therapy, and we can point you in the right direction. Um, you heard from Ron all morning long, and I'm, that word "help" was used. Well, I'll count it. I promise. No, it was used a lot. Um, and that's not something that we're very good at. You know, we have we struggle with asking for help. Um. Thankfully, we made that choice to ask for help, and we're reaching out to you today to say if you need it, reach out and ask for help. So you can reach me. I have a website, theawakencollective.org, email, rickgregory at theawakencollective.org. I also have a YouTube channel, TikTok channel, but reach out to email, even if it's just to say hi, let us know if this is making a difference for you, and especially if you need help. So glad that you are with us today. And thanks to Audio Alchemy Productions and my dear friend Danny Anderson. Love you. Thank you, Ron, for being here today. Thank you. Appreciate you, my friend. Until next time, love and kindness always.